Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm down on my knees in the dust. I scream from the top of my lungs. I found my way back to a higher ground. Yeah, I just want to feel alive. Welcome to Higher Ground with Chris Warren. Yeah, come on up, folks. Come on up and join us. Pull up a stool, get nice and comfortable, uh, grab a drink, join the conversation. And uh, there is space on the open line right now. If you do fancy a chat, uh, that number, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. You can drop us a text as well. Uh, maybe you can spark some of the, uh, the talk topics tonight. Uh, we're here right through until midnight. Here's your chance to or maybe even set the agenda. That number, if you haven't already got it plugged into your iPhone, 736736. Well, suddenly things are looking a whole lot brighter, aren't they, for the Aussie uh, cricket team, our men's team, ranked seventh in the world in the T20 standings and now in with a real chance of perhaps winning its first ever T20 World Cup. That might sound, uh, well, a touch ambitious, uh, given we still have to get past Pakistan to make the final and then we'll play either England, who toweled us up uh, a week or so ago, or we'll have to face New Zealand. Um, But it must be said, there is a a much brighter glow, isn't there, around our chances, I think, uh, now than after that big loss to England. David Warner, he seems to have found his mojo again, his groove. Uh, Mitchell Marsh now looks to have comfortably sewn up for that number three batting spot. Josh Hazelwood, well, he couldn't be any more consistent or accurate with the ball if he tried. Um, And as for the coach, Justin Langer, I mean, he's had a target on his back for what seems an eternity now. What is it with JL? Um, he is constantly, it seems, having to defend himself and his decisions. His style, too tough, they say. It's his way or the highway. Well, those were the, some of the criticisms of Langer after what was, I guess, a, a player-led revolt. Was it just one player, two players? Who knows? I mean, but it has certainly threatened to bring uh, to an end Justin Langer's coaching tenure. His contract expires after this summer, after the Ashes series. Reading much of the stuff in the press, like no doubt you ladies and gentlemen at home have done, it would seem unlikely that that contract was going to be extended. But I'll tell you what, and it was pointed out in an article I read today, written by uh, Crash Craddock it was, in the telly. How on earth could you sack Justin Langer if, let's say, we we won or even made it to the final of the T20 World Cup, and let's say we win the Ashes as well. So that scenario, and that's the one that we're all hoping is, you know, to, to win the Ashes and, and who knows, make the final or win the, the T20 World Cup, well, that will put those in the suits at Cricket Australia in a very difficult position. If, in fact, it is their intention not to renew Langer's contract, you know, a win over Pakistan, as difficult as it will be, it will, gee, it would be a sweetener too, wouldn't it, for JL? It really would. And given that he's, uh, he's good mate 
Matty Hayden is on the coaching staff with Pakistan too. Hayden and Langer, uh, weren't they the glory days? Still plenty of uncertainty, it would seem, around Tiger Town. West Tigers I'm talking about, new head of football and former Premiership winning coach Tim Sheens, I believe was due uh, for day one back at the club today. And surely his first item on the to-do list uh, must be sorting out the future of Luke Brooks. We keep hearing whispers about him being linked to Newcastle as a replacement for Mitchell Pearce. Pearce is on his way to the south of France. He's had enough of the uh, the rigours, it would seem, of the NRL. Too tough for him these days. Still a great halfback, but he's basically admitted that he, he's not up to it anymore. He wants to go and play in a, I guess, well, let's call it what it is, a softer competition and pick up some good cash on the way um, over there in the Super League. But that's still to be formalised, I think. I, I see it's costing Mitchell about 10000 a week until his deal gets sorted. So his player's contract runs from the 1st of November. So it seems he and the, the Knights Club have agreed well, not to pay him uh, any monies for the, this season, this upcoming season of his new contract, of his existing contract, because he won't be with the club. So that makes sense. But until it all gets finalised, poor old Mitch... He's out of pocket, about 10000 a week. Jeez. I think the uh, the Luke Brooks saga, by the way, will just keep rolling on. Um, and the Tigers um, and Luke, they continue to try and shut down the speculation. But I think we all want to see what happens when Pierce is officially released by Newcastle. He jumps on the jumbo and heads over to the south of France. Well, then they can officially make a play, I believe, for Luke Brooks. And I don't think this... Uh, saga will get settled until um, that situation is resolved. Joey Leilua still with the West Tigers. He's fired yet another, well, I guess, a parting shot at Tigers coach Michael Maguire. He made a point of venting on social media a week or so back. He's had another crack today, another little jab, a little rip tickler, when confirming that he will be part of the uh, the Gallon Aloye uh, fight card in Newcastle uh, in December. Um Joey reckons he is paying the price for speaking his mind and confronting Maguire about things that were not working out at the club this year. Um, but basically, says Maguire, um, didn't want to know about it. So as a result, Joey Lalua reckons that's why uh, the club chose not to take up the final year option in his playing contract, worth about $850,000. Wow, that's a lot of dough, isn't it? Ouch. A lot of a lot of players are doing uh, these train and trial deals on a, a thousand a week. I'm talking about players going from the penthouse to the basement in terms of um, paychecks um, from eight fifty to zilch. That's got to hurt, hasn't it? Got to hurt. Um, but there's quite a few. Ash Taylor, he's another who will really need to uh, severely, I think, Kirby spending and uh, may make some. Um, Adjustments to his household budget. He was on a million dollars a season at the Titans this year. Ash, he too is without a deal for 2022. And uh, he's on about a 1000 a week on these train and trial deals. He's with the Warriors. So, look, I hope it all works out for him. But um, I don't know. It was an inflated price to pay for Ash Taylor, wasn't it? Um, but who knows? He might still reach the potential, the lofty heights that we, we all thought he could attain. Just back on Joey Leilua, by the way, he's not um, just looking for a club at the moment, but also preparing for that fight against two-time 
Premiership winner Chris Hyington. So part of that Gallon Aloye fight on December 10. Bit of a mystery, too, around uh, Gallon's next fight. He, uh, We all know that Go, Gal can throw him. He's, he's shown that time and time again, hasn't he? In his brief but spectacular boxing career. Aloye, as for Josh, well, we don't know much about him. They say he can fight, though. Um, he grew up fighting a bit in New Zealand. But I tell you what, he'll need to be very damn good to uh, to come close to Paul Gallon, I think. A, a, a guy, remember, who took Justice Hooney all the way in his most recent fight. Still with league stuff. Early betting markets are out for the 2022 Premiership, I see. So the Panthers installed favourites uh, to go back-to-back, just ahead of Melbourne Storm. St George Illawarra Dragons are at the longest price to win the Premiership. And I guess what that means is they are the bookies' favourite for the wooden spoon. What do you say, Saints fans? I remember at the beginning of uh, the last season, just gone, I tipped Saints to pick up the wooden spoon and, boy, they threw it at me too. This, The open line fired up one night, I recall, or it might have been a day. St George fans wanting a piece of me, poor old Chris Warren. I was just having an opinion. I got it wrong anyway, like most things. The Dragons didn't get the wooden spoon, but they are the longest price with the bookies for the upcoming season. So, uh, Dragons fans, you might want to give me a call or drop me a text, 0457 736 736, if you do. Um, and you know the deal. I don't always agree with If you want to pick up the phone, that's that's great. Do it. Um, we don't have to agree, but you can certainly have your opinion, and uh, that'll be fine by me. West Tigers, by the way, the Warriors and the Cowboys, they're also tipped to finish pretty close to the bottom of the pile in the NRL next year. All right, we've got a few hours together, so let's make the most of it. Let's have a bit of fun. Uh, let's uh, chill out, chillax here on the uh, the higher ground, your late-night sports bar. Again, that number to call. If you do want to have your say, why don't you do it now? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 01 11 70 There is space on the open line right now or that text number again, 0457 736 736. Yeah, good evening, folks. Uh, great to have your company. Hope you've enjoyed uh, your Monday. And, uh, well, if you're up and you're listening, it's great to have your company here tonight. The Mad Russian generally joins me on a Monday night. He's uh, been working on drive, so he won't be here. Um, so I'll be pretty much uh, doing my best with your help as well. Uh, we'll talk all things sport. We can talk about other things in life. You know the drill. This doesn't have to be a typical sports show. Of course, we'll talk mostly sport, but... Um, drop us a line. Keep those texts coming through. I love a fair bit of interaction, but if you want to pick up the phone and have a, have a chat, well, why don't you do that as well? We can talk some cricket, rugby league. They're probably my two, my two uh, favourite sports, uh, but I'm generally across most sports, even dabble in a bit of NFL these days, thanks to me, good mate, the quarterback, who keeps trying to uh, bring me across to the dark side. On cricket too... Um, and I'll go, I'll go through a bit, bit more on um, some transfer news and what sort of rugby league players are, are going where as of today because it's a it's a moving feast, isn't it? It really is. And um, you, you hear one thing or a new thing every other day. But um, the one thing dragging on is the whole Luke Brooks thing. But we'll talk more about that. You might have your thoughts on, on that as well. Tim Sheen's back at the club, West Tigers. I think they desperately need his leadership, his experience. Um... You know, and I really, I really do think that Tim will do some good stuff out there. And it's just what they need, I think, to have him back there. But if you're a West Tigers fan, you might want to pick up the phone and have a chat too. Um, 
do you want Luke Brooks to say, to stay? Do you want him to go? As I've said um, before many times, I've got a few West Tigers mate, uh, mates that are West Tigers fans and they think it might be the best thing for the club and for, for Luke himself to, to move to a new club. With Andrew Johns back up there mentoring as well at Newcastle, maybe Andrew Johns could hold the key to unlock the undoubted talent that Luke Brooks has, but he just hasn't been able to deliver it consistent, consistently, has he? over the past five or six or, or more years at West Tigers. And some will say, well, that's because he hasn't really had the pack of forwards um, around him. And all good halfbacks do rely on a good go forward to, to set the foundations of their own game. Maybe that's been the problem. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Pick up the phone. Give me a call. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is the number. Or again, 0457 736 736. That is the text line. Just on cricket news as well, and we can talk about that. Um, a few days ago, well, probably seven days ago to be more precise, there were quite a few of you uh, sending text messages through saying, look, and this was after we got thumped by England, we're only making up the numbers. If in do uh, the Aussie cricketers, I'm talking about, if they do make it to the semifinals of the T20 World Cup, well, they'll just be there to make up the numbers. Well, what do you think now? Have your thoughts changed at all? Have your thoughts changed at all? Do you think we now have a chance to give this this competition a shake? 14 years, we've never won it. There is a really good opportunity here for this team and for JL, Justin Langer, who I spoke about a moment ago. I just think that all the criticism directed at him, I think, is largely unfair. But I am not in the inner sanctum, I admit. Yeah, I, I got you there. So there's probably things that go on that we and you guys, our list, my listeners tonight, that are not aware of that may take place in the dressing room. Um, but everything I see from Justin Langer, and I don't know him from Adam, never met JL. I just really like what I see. Um, I like the package I see. And I like the respect that he seems to be shown. I think he's been unfairly targeted myself. Uh, and I hope that he does sign a new longer-term contract. As I was saying earlier, it's going to be very difficult, isn't it, for the powers that be, in the you know, the suits in the corridors of power at Cricket Australia, if, if we are to come away winning the World T20 World Cup and then go on and beat the Poms this summer in the Ashes, well, how then are you going to not renew Langer's contract? Not possible, is it? Cricket-wise, too, uh, and this, I believe, was confirmed uh, this evening. If not confirmed this evening, maybe this afternoon, but certainly put up on Cricket Australia's website uh, only an hour or so ago. So uh, uh, the tour of Pakistan has been confirmed. Uh, the Pakistan Cricket Board has confirmed the date. So a three-test tour, plus a white ball matches as well. And this will be uh, Australia's first cricket on Pakistani soil, you forget, don't you? Since 1998, been a long, long time. Um, I'll read th this article throughout pretty much or paraphrase some of it. The Aussies are set to end a 24-year absence from Pakistan after dates were announced for a whirlwind month-long tour next March that takes in three tests and four limited overs matches. The Pakistan Cricket Board today announced a schedule featuring test matches in Karachi, uh, Rawalpindi and Lahore, which will uh, also host three ODIs and a one-off T20 international that follow. 
The confirmation of the Australian tour comes just days before the two countries are scheduled to meet in the T20 World Cup semi-final in Dubai at 1am uh, Friday. Is that right? 1am Friday? Yes, it is. I thought it was Thursday morning, but no, it must be in the early hours of Friday, that, that semi-final. And uh, the day before, that would be New Zealand and England, wouldn't it? Uh, they must be on the 1am on the Thursday morning. So next year's tour will mark the first time uh, the Aussies have played in the country since late 1998 when a three-test, three-ODI tour featured current coach Justin Langer as part of the test playing 11 and saw Andrew Simons make his one-day debut. Wow, God. Go back some time now, aren't we? Um, just goes on to say here, uh, the chairman of the Pakistan Cricket Board, uh, Ramiz Raja, he said the three-test series, um, a connoisseur's delight. He says, it pleases me no end that we will be engaged in a three-test match series. Um, connoisseur's delight. Well, there you go. So that's all uh, all locked in. So very good news. Current test captain Tim Payne and national selection chair George Bailey both featured in a World Eleven that played three T20s in the country in mid-2017 as Pakistan began opening up to world cricket again. So that is uh, long overdue, isn't it? Long overdue. And um, I guess the timing of that announcement um, has been staged, I guess. Or maybe not. Just coincidence that we are playing Pakistan in the semi-final at the Cricket World Cup um, on Thursday night, early hours, Friday morning. Lots of other news for us to talk about as well. And uh, again, an open invitation for you to join um, to join the conversation. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. Uh, Stevie from Padstow, he's a regular listener to the show. Good evening to you, mate. Uh, Jackson Hastings sounds like he's been given some uh, good advice and listened uh, listened great for West Tigers. Um, well, Jackson, he, he's coming back. I guess you could say Jackson's coming back a, a bit of a reformed player or person and, and maybe the, the stint over in the UK is, is just what he needed. I don't know exactly what went on at Manly. Um, with Jackson Hastings, or prior to that um, at the Roosters, wasn't he? Um, but he went overseas. He's come back. He said, look, he's made mistakes. Now, I'll tell you what, he killed it over there. Yes, I know, and I can hear you saying it. Yeah, Chris, it's a totally different competition over there. It's not as strong, anywhere near as strong as the NRL. And I agree with you. These days it is not, but uh, he was very good. Was very good, and I think he'll do well for... West Tigers. I don't think uh, he is a like-for-like -like replacement for Luke Brooks, though. Um, and you've got no Adam Dewey either. Keep in mind, he's going to be out for a number of months, probably, I would say, the first half of the season or thereabouts. So they will be certainly a little bit thin in the halves if Luke Brooks is to leave. But again, everything West Tigers are saying uh, points in the opposite direction. They're trying to shut down this speculation and you can understand too, it must be so annoying picking up the papers every day or listening to shows like this and that's what that's what the media and that's what supporters are all talking about. But uh, I guess that's just the way it is. We'll have to wait and see. And as I said uh, moments ago, this won't, uh, a full stop won't be put on this until Mitchell Pearce has been officially released from his contract and they find a replacement, then that replacement may well be Luke Brooks. 
I'm not quite sure. Other news about two. We'll go to a break shortly. Uh, we're here till midnight. So, again, uh, please feel free to pick up the phone and have a chat if you'd like to. Uh, maybe after the break we, we might have a chat. Uh, the Dolphins have made their first signing. And you won't know who it is, I don't think, probably, unless you're um, right on the up-and-coming scene up there in recruitment in Queensland. His name is Harrison Graham. And he's an under-18 Queensland rep. Uh, reportedly has become the first player signed by the new expansion team, the uh, the Dolphins. I was going to call them the Redcliffe Dolphins, but I can't do that, can I? Uh, there has been plenty of talk linking the Dolphins to marquee men like Cameron Munster and Kalen Ponga, but it's this 20-year-old Graham who has etched his name into the club's history books. Well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? That'd be a question for Trivial Pursuit, wouldn't it? Who was the first ever player signed by the Dolphins? when they entered the NRL. Harrison Graham. So a little bit about this young fella. I put my hand up, don't know him, but he has been touted as one of the best young hookers in the game, and he can also play uh, lock as well. Uh, he's been signed, I believe, on a development contract with scope to upgrade. This is according to the Sydney Morning Herald, this report. However, he does have a train and trial contract with the Broncos for the upcoming preseason, and so could be picked up by Brisbane for the 2022 NRL season. So they've got a decision to make, haven't they, the Broncos? And they might just they might just sign Harrison Graham maybe to spite the Dolphins, unless he's already signed, as this is suggesting, he's already signed with the Dolphins. I don't see how the Broncos would want to give him a head start and give him a go in 2022, only to hand him on to the Dolphins the next year. Not quite sure how how they would feel about that. He played for uh, the underage Maroons when he was 17. He came off the bench in a team that included uh, some big names, really, that have gone on to done, and done some a few good things. Uh, Hermiso Tabuofido, he was in the same team. Warriors fullback Reese Walsh, we've seen what he did this year. Uh, what about these rookies? He was in the same team as um, Sydney Roosters halfback Sam Walker as well. as And Broncos fullback Tessie New. And Melbourne recruit Xavier Coates. Um, and West Tigers hooker Jake Simpkin. They've all played with this youngster. Harrison Graham is his name. So he has reportedly uh, signed on as the Dolphins' first recruit for 2023. We'll take a quick break. You are listening to Higher Ground. That's better. There you go. There you go. It's taking you a little bit of time to warm up. <laughs> They've had their, well, I see what's happened. They've had a couple of drink vouchers. Very, very kind of um, the powers that be here at Higher Ground. They, uh, Hutchie and crew, they've um, afforded this. Uh, we're a pretty lean uh, sort of team here, Higher Ground. We haven't got the resources like, you know, Vossie has at breakfast. Matty White with mornings, even Jimmy Smith in afternoons. They've, they've got teams of writers and producers and technicians and panel ops and executive producers. Um, we, uh, we run a very tight ship here, the Higher Ground um, program team. Uh, generally just me, and uh, most nights is the Mad Russian. He's with me. And between the two of us, we, we generally pull it off. I mean, put the, I mean, put the show together, you know what I mean? And um, But we don't have a big budget like the other shows. But they have been very, very generous, very generous in giving, um, giving the, uh, the gift vouchers, uh, the drinks vouchers um, for our, our live studio audience. And they're only allowed to have the one or the two, you know, not allowed to. We don't condone excessive drinking here.
but you can have a couple of shandies um, like the tool man who generally uh, listens in. He'll be having a, maybe shandy or a bundy and rum by now. Luke Brooks, um, there's a few texts coming through now as well. Um, you might like to weigh in on that. Although he says no, the club says no. He's staying at the club. Where there's smoke, there could be fire. Is he going to Newcastle to replace Mitchell Pearce? Have your say on that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. if you want to pick up the phone and, and have a quick chat. Um, Steve here has uh, said that Brooks must go. And I'm not quite sure uh, what club Steve is aligned to as a supporter, I, I, I mean. Um, but as I've said before, I, I think that a lot of West Tigers supporters and the club have, have got to sort of listen to them. And I'm sure they do monitor sort of social media and forums and message boards. And they would have, a, I guess, a, their finger on the pulse of, of what, the, what the fans want. Um, but he is contracted at the club, you know, so um, he'll have to want to go. Um, and you don't want an unhappy player being there. He says he wants to stay. I look. I think. I think. I think he really would um, bloom at another club. I think it might be the change that he needs. Rugby league stuff. Other news around too. St George Illawarra locked in the Fenai brothers until twenty twenty four. This article is in the Daily Telegraph today. Paul Crawley wrote this story. So they have extended the futures of uh, two of the club's most promising young talents, Matt and Max. It's um, some people call him Fee Guy, but it is Fine. I'm sure it's Fine, F-E-A-G-A-I, uh, revealing that their dream to carve out an NRL career together has been inspired by the remarkable journeys of the Morris twins. Yeah, we've had some good twins, or haven't we? Over over the years, twins in the NRL. Um, Safidi brothers at the moment, Newcastle as well. So along with the Fine boys, there is also Jaden Sullivan, Junior Amone, and Tyrell Sloan in the top 30. Uh, while Jackson Sherub, I believe it is, and Josh Corrich will be on development contracts in 2022. So I don't know, Saints fans, you heard me earlier say that uh, looking in the paper today, the bookies have set you guys as the longest price to win the Premiership next year. I don't think even the most optimistic Dragons fan really thinks you have much of a chance of winning the Premiership next year. Could be wrong. Pick up the phone. Um, but do you really think you uh, should be put down to win the wooden spoon or be awarded the wooden spoon? Not so sure about that. You might have your thoughts on that. AFL news too. Now, Jordan Degoe, um, he has admitted to, to a fight. He will claim self-defence. Uh, Collingwood are aware that Jordan Degoe will claim he was provoked before getting into a fight. This was in New York, in a nightclub in New York on the 30th of October. So uh, only just over a week ago, uh, these charges, his lawyer uh, says or described as unwarranted. Degoe, the 25-year-old, told the club he was in a VIP area of uh, the PhD rooftop bar in the Dream Hotel. So there you go. Gents, I'm talking generally when we're reading about these stories. Generally, there's a common denominator. You know, so just do it responsibly, right? Um, but he was in a hotel when a woman allegedly started taking drinks belonging to Dugowie and his friend uh, Luke Dyson, who was also charged. So they're saying a lady or a woman allegedly starting taking drinks from the pair. They, The pair allegedly told the woman... Uh, all the women here, to leave the area and then were challenged by their male friends 
who allegedly, here's that word again, began pushing and shoving the Aussies, which led to Dugowie throwing a punch in what he will claim was self-defence before the people who had challenged them were then thrown out of the Halloween party. I can see it. I can see it. I wasn't there, but I can see all that sort of stuff happening. Um, and it's oftentimes other parties that step into a, uh, an exchange and uh, tempers flare, and before you know it, uh, fists are being thrown, etc., etc. But uh, time and time again, um, there's generally a bit of alcohol involved, isn't there? So there's probably a lesson there uh, for all of us to learn. Uh, do stick around. Again, uh, inviting you to uh, to pick up the phone and have a call uh, if you will. one three hundred o one eleven seventy. I'll go through some more NRL player movements and uh, rumours and innuendo um, a little bit later on as well. But there's uh, quite a bit happening. We'll talk a load of cricket too after this next uh, short break. Um, I'm going to chat to a fellow by the name of Lockie McCurdy. Now, he's involved with a, it's a news limited publication or a new um, uh, platform, if you like. It's called Code Sports. I don't know much about it, but it will be launched, I believe, next week. So after uh, the next break, we'll chat to uh, Lockie McCurdy. Um, but again, we can talk anything. Look, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be sport. It can be about cooking. Um, pick up that open line, though, if you want to have, uh, have your say, one three hundred. 011170. I think Johnny's there uh, trying to get through to us uh, now. You just keep trialling, John, and we'll uh, we'll try and take that call um, if we can. Can be about anything. It doesn't have to be sport, by the way. Cooking, right? I I was going to say I fancy myself. I don't fancy myself as a cook. Um, I cook all right, and being a single dad, you've got to be able to cook three kids, and I don't mind my time in the kitchen at all. I quite enjoy it if I've got the time, but it can be quite hazardous, can't it, in the kitchen? I've, I've, I've really injured myself tonight, so I was sort of rushing out, almost trying to rush out the door. Um, and Monday night's special for me because it's quite easy as the spag bolognese, right? Easy to prepare, and I quite like it, and I do the slow-cooked one. So cooking the spaghetti, and you know the saucepans, the, the pots, but instead of having the long handle, which generally don't get hot, the long handle, you've got the two little rims on the side of the spaghetti of, of the pot, so I've picked that up, and it was absolutely boiling. So I've scalded my hand, right? I've burnt my hand. Yeah, I know. You're pulling out the, the violin for me, aren't you? You're pulling out the, the, the sad, the small violin. I know. Don't worry. Don't shed any tears for me. Um, I'm all right. Look, it's not a third-degree burn. But what I'm saying is so the heat, the sudden reaction of me pulling my hand off the, the boiling water, right, the sudden reaction, I've, I've thrown my shoulder joint out in the process as well. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's bloody awful. But yeah, well, it's not something you should be applauding. Not something you should be applauding, uh, but it can be a hazardous a hazardous thing. Uh, John is on the line. Uh, John, I think, uh, wants to talk about the Dragons. John, good evening. How are you, mate? Uh, hello, Chris. How are you, mate? We had the same conversation earlier in the year, mate. What are the bookies thinking, honestly? I mean, mate, I've told you before, St George have never, ever, ever got a wooden spoon and they never will. And Look, to be honest, I, I wasn't happy with Griffith, as you know, last this year. No, you but, weren't. But, mate, the way we've recruited this year, i got to commend them. You know, they've recruited... They've still got another three spots left. And they've yeah. recruited really, really well. I mean, the bookies, honestly, they don't know anything, mate. They, they, they put the Tigers ahead of us. The Tigers are a basket case. I mean, they don't know whether they're coming or going. 
And, like, what kind of garbage is this? You know, I think Saints, if they... And we haven't got... Look, the most important thing with Saints, the players they got rid of. Let's not forget, yeah. before the barbecue, Saints were running six. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Until, you know, mental giant Bourne had a, had a brain explosion. But He's gone. You know, um, yeah, he's gone. And the most important cop in the world that's good, right? He's, he's yes. Harvey Norman, you know? I mean, yes, Corey. They'll do, yeah, do 100 times better with him. I mean, he was, honestly, he was, and it, I mean, look, I don't want to slag anyone because that, he's a, everyone that plays first grade is a great player, but I think you'll have to agree with me that in the three years that he was at St. George, I've never seen him play a good game. I mean, he had, mate, honestly, he was a pretender. He had nothing. He couldn't. He didn't. He wasn't quick. He couldn't tackle. He couldn't even kick goals from in front. You know, he was like he was terrible. And uh, and I don't know how he got away with it for so long. Really, honestly. Yeah. And I think you could put my mother there, and he'd do a better job than Harvey Norman. And I think he's gone. <laughs> and uh, and mate, that's going to be the big plus. But I mean, they've signed Morlow. They've signed. Have you seen Georgie Burgess training? Mate, no, he I haven't. Back, he's only 29. 29 he is. If he can get, he can stay healthy. He's a he's great player. He's, he's got a bung hip. He's had a hip replacement. He's had a hip transplant. Something I need. That's right. Yeah, a hip transplant. I mean, I'm saying if he stays healthy. Man, yeah. that's a great play. He's only 29. I mean, he was the reason South was on the comp in 2014. You know? Well, and, I think um, he, uh, he, he had some help. He had some help, Johnny. But I, my... Well, I've got a bit of a concern with George Burgess. I, I need to see how the hip holds up. You know, I think that yeah, is a bit, yeah, of, a, a bit of a risk. Yeah. Yeah, but what All about right. James Stewart? You don't think he's a good boy? No, he's a good boy. Fair, he's a good boy. Yeah, good, good, very fine. good boy. Very good boy. So, All right, Johnny. I mean, and, you know, and, all right, mate. I think, I think they're way off the mark, all right? All right, okay. good stuff. Thanks for picking up the phone, mate. Well, you can have your say as well. There's Johnny. He he often gives us a call. <laughs> He's a funny fella, isn't he? I don't want to slate anyone or slag anyone off, but this is Harvey Norman bloke. We got rid of him, and fair dinkum, my mother could play better than him. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, call it as you see it. Tell us what you really think, John. Uh, but pick up the phone. Look. Have a bit of fun if you want. I don't mind. Let's have a bit of fun. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is the open line number. Talking about Harvey Norman, right? And uh, I know Harvey Norman do advertise on this program, so I'm certainly not going to belittle them. But they and Jerry, they yeah. In terms of advertisements that annoy you, what are some of the advertisements? Radio, I'm talking about radio ads over the years. And I'm around about 50, right? So if you're about my age, you'll probably uh, know what I'm talking about here. What are some of the annoying radio ads you've heard over the years? And don't worry about putting the nose out of joint of some of our advertisers even right now, like National Tiles. I mean, come on, that that's quite an annoying yet amusing ad, isn't it? And I'm not going to offend them. They want us to talk about their ad that way, and I'm sure that's what the way they produce it is so they maybe attract a bit of publicity about people talking about their ad because it's really annoying. And that National Tiles, that, that's quite annoying, isn't it? What other ads? So Harvey Norman, I mean, Jerry, they were always annoying when he voices his own ads, but I'm sure he does it for a reason, but a very successful businessman. What are some other ones over the years? Come on, send through some texts or pick up the phone. Uh, or what about another one? Joyce Main, do you remember those ones? Joyce Main ads, they used to do my head in. I was only young at the time. Uh, 
Come on, you can uh, help me out here. 0457 736 736. We can have a bit of fun with that as we go through. We're here all the way up until midnight. We're going to talk some cricket next. This is Higher Ground with me, Chris Warren. Well, welcome back to Higher Ground. Uh, keep those text messages uh, coming through. You know the number. You should know it by now. 0457 736 736. And uh, I'll read as many as I can and, and get through them uh, as and when we can uh, across the show tonight. All right, time to talk uh, some more cricket with the man who is all over the T20s and the Sheffield Shield at the moment. It's uh, a very warm welcome back to higher ground to Lockie McCurdy. Lockie, how are you doing? Very well, very well. Good to be here as always. Plenty of cricket happening and plenty to be excited about as an Aussie fan at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. How things can change, hey, in uh, in, in the space of about a, a week. Now, just mm. you're, you're with Code Sports. Tell me about Code Sports, which, which launch, launches next week, I think. Yeah, so it's an exciting new publication where we're going to be focusing on a bit of long-form written content. Uh, yeah, launching next Wednesday, so make sure you keep your eyes to the socials. You'll see plenty about it. It's going to be a, a really exciting new project. All right. Um, India, out of the T20 World Cup, hey? That's a, a really big shock. I mean, um, but pre-tournament, we all thought they were, you know, one of the uh, the favourites, at least to make the final. Um, how's it being taken in India? They, they came into the tournament as equal favourites with England, so I imagine there's a fair, fair bit of fallout back home. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting period to examine what happens with this fallout because no matter what happened results-wise, this World Cup was always going to be a moment of change for this Indian team. Obviously, Virat Kohli announced that this would be his last tournament as captain of the T20 side, and we've since seen that Rahul Dravid has been announced as their new coach to replace Ravi Shastri after the tournament. So regardless of results, this was going to be a really interesting tournament for India, but yeah, just those two losses early have cost them. Pakistan getting that historic win and then the Kiwis upsetting them again. I mean, look, it, it's... I don't think you can read too much into it because this is still a very, very strong Indian team. And I mean, we've got another T20 World Cup only 12 months away here in Australia. But I think you're definitely right there, Chris. It was, it was their tournament in terms of they should have been making the finals. But Pakistan and New Zealand were just better on the day. And that's all it took. Mm. We, I think, are ranked uh, six or seven in T20s, the Aussies I'm talking about. So, you know, we weren't probably, uh, I guess we set the bar high and we, we hope to be able to make it through to the final and we mm. still might be able to do that. But um, a win over the West Indies and a, and a very good win at that. So we are through to the last four and um, how it changes over the past few days or so because um, after that big loss to England... There were plenty of people lining up to throw stones at this Aussie T20 team, but another big score for, for Davey Warner. Uh, the bowling attack seems to be working just fine. Can we actually win this thing? Look, you have to get to the final four if you're any chance, and the Aussies have done that. That was their first task. That was Justin Langer's key goal, just to get through to the knockout stages, and you never know what can happen. Obviously, we come up against a Pakistan team who have looked like the best team this whole tournament so far. Had gone through undefeated. Babar Azam has been fantastic at the top of the order. Shahina Freedy has been fantastic with ball in hand. So it's certainly going to be a, a tough match when it comes to it. But you never know. It's the sort of time where Australia are peaking at the right time. I tend to feel that, as you mentioned, David Warner, that 89 was really fantastic. He looked in form. And it's, it's, we've seen a progression of his form throughout the tournament. And I feel like the middle order balance is right. Obviously, 
Mitch Marsh, the one game he was dropped for was that one game we lost to England quite poorly. So I don't think we're going to be seeing any more tinkering with the side. This is Australia's best side. And there's every chance that while our record against Pakistan isn't good and Pakistan have been formidable this tournament, it's only one game. They just have to beat one game. It's not a best of three, a best of five series. They just have to beat one game in there into the final. So it's everything to play for on Thursday. Just uh, on West Indies too, before we talk more about our our fellas, um, Chris Gale's final game. How do you think he'll be remembered in a historic sense? Um, where does he where does he rate as the all time greats from the Windies? He's definitely going to be up there in terms of the explosiveness of his of his batting. I, I think there's no doubt that when you've got someone like Brian Lara in terms of runs, that you're always going to be on at least the rung down below him just because of how well he played. But in terms of his influence in world cricket, and everyone's quick to say the influence he had in T20 cricket, but really in all three formats, he was absolutely explosive and just brought power hitting to the game and really brought it to the fore. And he's been a staple since the introduction of T20 cricket into the cricket calendar. So it's going to be a big miss. And of course, Dwayne Bravo, DJ Bravo heading out as well. So two big sort of misses mm. that we'll be seeing in the future for West Indies cricket and two have left a, quite a lasting legacy, not just on T20 cricket, but cricket in general. Mm. And again, just on that, that match and the win against the West Indies, uh, it's taken you know, a, bit, a little bit of toing and froing with the batting order, but I think we're settled now, aren't we? I think uh, there's no more experimenting. Mitch Marsh, he's the man at number three. I think definitely. It's always going to depend on how that opening partnership of Warner and Finch goes. That If they can get through that power play, if they can just make it through, then they're going to likely look to someone like a, a, a Marsh who can accelerate the batting a bit more. If a wicket falls early in the power play, that's when you might see Steve Smith, Marcus Stoinis come in a little bit more. And then if somehow they can get really late in the innings and 12th, 13th over, then Maxi might come in. But they seem like they've got a, a more set a set way of doing things now, which is a really nice feeling going into the knockout stages. So we're playing Pakistan. Um, we know they're dangerous. Um, who are their main dangers? Who, who should we be looking out for? Babar Azam is definitely the one that, that sticks out to me. Uh, their, their opening batter has scored 264 runs through five matches so far, averaging 66 and has scored a 50 in all but one of his matches. So he is looking supremely dangerous at the top of the order and Obviously, Muhammad Rizwan, who's also been out in the batting, he's averaging 70-something as well for his five matches. So they have been fantastic. I mean, they, they chased India's total down with all their wickets in hand. So that kind of proved mm. just how good they are. But the other one, Shaheen Afridi, has been absolutely electric with the ball. And while not always taking wickets, he's been dangerous and he's been causing problems for the batters. So, again, another one to look out for. And if, if he can take a couple of wickets early in the power play, who knows what can happen. But that toss... If we ever need Finchie to win a toss, it is this one. Yeah, I know what you mean. At least some people you know, may not have been aware, those that are not following cricket that closely, but these guys, the Pakistan players, they were locked out, weren't they, of the Indian Premier League? So a lot of them haven't had all that much cricket, but they find themselves in a... Well, they, they really are thriving in this tournament. They really are thriving. And, I mean, England, obviously, they're going to be playing New Zealand in the other semi-final. They've got a few injury concerns with... Uh, Jason Roy, Tymel Mills, but at, at the end of the day, Pakistan, undefeated, informed team, no concerns. You have to consider them favourites going into this final four stage. Mm. So you touched on the other semi, uh, England uh, taking on New Zealand. Uh, the, mm. Pom, the Poms will be heavy favourites in that one. Do you see it going according to the, the bookies' prices? 
I think it's hard not to in terms of England's white ball form in recent years. But look, I think a big thing that is going to play in this game is New Zealand are going to want revenge for that 2019 World Cup. They might talk it down as much as they can, but that agonising, heartbreaking loss against England at Lords back in the summer of 2019, that will still be hurting on their minds. They were so close to lifting that World Cup trophy. And if they can cause an upset here, I mean... England, obviously, not the ideal way to go into the semifinals with a loss against South Africa. So I think the Kiwis have a solid team. Again, it's going to be one where if they can bowl first and kind of limit England to that 140-150 total, then they've got every chance on chasing that down in terms of Martin Guptill, Kane Williamson. They've got some really good batters there. But if England bat first, get 180-plus, or bowl first and can limit New Zealand to a, a lowish score, then they're going to be hard to beat. Mm. Now, a little closer to home uh, in the Sheffield Shield, uh, Victoria's rolled New South Wales again, this time winning winning outright. C- can you report what went wrong for the Blues? Uh, I think it was a tough first batting innings for the Blues. That was their main problem. Daniel Hughes was really the only one who stood out with a half century in that first innings. But you had a couple of really disappointing contributions from Captain Curtis Patterson only got two. The youngster brought in Lockie Hearn only got four. Sean Abbott had a duck. Um, and, and yeah, just a lot of concern in that middle order, just desperately calling out for Moses Enriquez to come back, I feel. So only posting 140 in that first innings was, was really hard to see. But we saw a lot more fight in that second innings dig from New South Wales. Daniel Hughes finishing on 89 off 319 balls. It was a quite remarkable innings. He, he just never looked like getting out, but he just ran out of partners. Uh, Liam Hatcher did well to, to sit alongside him, as did Jack Edwards for a while. But yeah, just the, the Victorian bowling duo of James Paddington and Scott Boland, both bowling immaculately down at the MCG. So they would have loved finally getting home to play some cricket at the MCG. So, look, even as a New South Welshman, I would have loved to have seen the Blues win, but good to see the Vicks win on their first match back at the MCG for so long. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Now, Lockie, before you go, um, a quick update on the WBBL. What happened there mm. over the weekend? And who are the favourites going into the last two weeks of that tournament? Well, it's hard to look past the Melbourne Renegades at the moment. They're, they're sitting nice and free on top of the ladder, essentially, with two wins between them and second, the Brisbane Heat. But they have played one more match than the Heat. And, yeah, so we saw the Scorchers have a pretty dominant win over the Hurricanes thanks to a fantastic power play bowling performance from South African international Marazan Cap. The Renegades continued their form. Meg Lanning could only do so much for the Stars and the Renegades got up in the Melbourne Derby. And the Sydney Thunder just have struggled to kind of get enough runs on the board and give themselves a total to bowl at. So they lost again to the Heat on the weekend. So, yeah, it's going to be hard for last year's champs, the Thunder, to, to make the finals from here. They're sitting on the bottom, two wins only from their eight matches. And, yeah, it's hard to see them make the finals from here. But the, the Sixers, for those in Sydney, great chance still to make the finals there. They're in fourth, but they've got two games in hands on the Renegades, so they could easily make their way up the table. And they've got... A match tomorrow against the Brisbane Heat, so that's going to be a crucial one. Two teams inside the top four. Mm. All right, mate. Lockie, thanks for joining us, mate. I appreciate your time uh, tonight here on Higher Ground. Good luck with the launch of Code Sports, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much, Chris. Welcome back to Higher Ground. Keep those text messages coming through 0457 736 736. All right, let's uh, let's talk some motorsport and more specifically um, supercars. First up, they have returned after the past couple of weekends, two weekends of racing at Sydney Motorsport Park out there at Eastern Creek. And joining us is the co-host of SEN's The Driver's Seat, which you can hear across the network from 8pm um, 
every Wednesday, uh, Matt McKeldon. How are you, buddy? Thanks for joining us. Chris, I'm sensational, mate. Thanks for having me on. Now, um, the series, the V8s, the supercars, they returned after a break since the end of July due to COVID restrictions around the country. Firstly, what, what caused that? And secondly, how good has it been to have um, racing back on, on our own shores? Well, I guess what's caused it has been the inconsistency with the borders and the different states. Um, because we're a sport that is a, na- a truly national sport, we do go to every state and every city, essentially, around the nation. Um, and there are teams positioned up and down the East Coast. It was very difficult to try and have a championship when we couldn't be moving people all around freely between the states. So uh, we were able to get to a point where, because of the vaccination rate, the high vaccination rate in New South Wales, we are able to get as many teams as we could, uh, which is all of them, and do four weekends in a row Mm. at Sydney Motorsport Park. So not an ideal situation, but... I think after after so long of not having any motorsport domestically, it was brilliant to be. It, it has been brilliant to go back, mm. and uh, it's it's been it's been an interesting couple of weeks. And we've got two weeks to go before we take a week off, and then we head up to Bathurst. I mean, as you say, uh, Matt, it's not ideal. Um, people would like to be seeing it, you know, ship around the country like it normally does from year to year, but yeah, we've all got to be realists. And I guess on a logistical front, though, it, it probably. Um, it probably is ideal um, economically, I think, maybe for some teams. Yeah, look, definitely. I mean, interestingly, though, within supercars, there's only one team based in Sydney, mm. ironically named Team Sydney. Um, <laughs> everyone else is in Queensland and everyone else is in uh, Victoria. So we, we, we've come from the north and we've come from the south. There is one team, Brad Jones, that is based on the border at Aubrey Wodonga. Interestingly enough, they're the only team that is actually packing up after every race and they're going back to Aubrey to their home base to do their turnaround. They take three or four days going over the cars, they turn around and then they come back yeah, again. Yeah. But logistically, um, because of where Eastern Creek is, because of the hotels around the place, we can actually still travel in a bubble. So a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, the teams are, are keeping their drivers and teams pretty well restricted mm. because you couldn't come into Queensland right now and you couldn't go to South no. Australia, and you couldn't go to, to Western Australia. So it's all due to New South Wales' fantastic work in getting vaccinated to the point, I think you're almost at 90% mm. now. So it gives our teams and drivers, and more importantly, our fans, mm. the opportunity to come back and watch motorsport. There you go. Pat on the back, you New South Wales. Pat on the back there. We'll take all that. Now, over the weekend, Matty, a share of the spoils, really. Shane Van Gisbergen, Anton Dick Pasquale, and uh, Jamie Winkup all grabbing wins over the weekend. Who, whose was the most impressive for you? Well, it, it's an interesting one because Jamie's, um, Jamie's was fantastic last night because of the storms and the weather. Um, he was actually able to keep it on the road. And although the race was called eight laps from the end because the rain just became too, too much and it became too dangerous. Um, so his driving ability and, and, quite frankly, the ability of all the boys up and down pit lane to keep those things on the island uh, and running around was quite magnificent because it was unbelievable rain. I think in the last two weeks, probably the most impressive thing has been Anton Di Pasquale. He's the driver who took over the seat from Scotty McLaughlin, who's now racing yep. IndyCar in the United States. Um, he's worked his way in this first part of the season, but he was absolutely dominant in what we call SMP1. He was good in SMP2. He took the first win of the weekend, but there were some... You know, difficulties, I suppose, that prevented him 
from um, actually taking more wins. But the deciding factor over this weekend is what we had a dual compound weekend. We had soft tyres and hard tyres. So there was always going to be drivers who had more grip on the soft tyres and less grip on the hard tyres. And, and they were able to use them whenever they wanted to. So it was the, the results on the weekend were very much based around strategy. Mm. I think what's come out of this, boys, is that Shane Van Gisbergen um, now has an almost unassailable lead in the championship. He's 335 points, I think, clear of his teammate, Jamie Winkup. Mm. The perfect weekend in supercars is 300 points. So Shane could literally either blow the thing sky high in first practice and make it an unfixable car and not return to the circuit for one race, for one weekend, whole weekend, and he'd still be leading the championship. Of course, that scenario is not likely to happen, particularly being the Red Bull car. They'll, they'll be able to fix anything that goes on. And so with two more Sydney Motorsport Park events to come and, of course, the Bathurst 1000, he is absolutely the unbackable favourite to take his second championship. Well, that was my next question. Uh, can anyone catch him? And uh, you, you're thinking, you're thinking, no. Uh, t- judging by the tone no. of your voice, no. Oh, no, is- look, I don't think so. I mean, even if even if he comes, as I say, even if he just competes now, no matter where he finishes, mm. if he just competes and, and finishes most of the races, he will win the championship. No one will be able to catch him because he's around clear. So he's put together an unbelievable year. He's been absolutely dominant. The team has been on the whole, quite faultless. In fact, really, his first issue for the whole year came last night in the rain when he went bombing down into turn one on the restart. And uh, unfortunately, his buggy didn't turn left into turn one. It went straight ahead through the sand and almost made the fence. Uh, (laughs) Not ideal. Uh, However, that's Shane. Shane goes into everything at 120%. And um, uh, when you drive a race car in the rain, you might want to come back to about 80% or you find yourself up against the wall, pancaked into the tyres. Mm. So that was the first chink in his armour that we've seen this, this year. Um, I don't think it'll be repeated, and, and I think he's the unbackable favourite. I think he's going to walk away with the championship um, uh, over the next two rounds, and then, as I say, heading up to Bathurst. Yeah. Uh, even when I was doing my L's 30-odd years ago, mate, they, they told me you double the distance in the wet. Double <laughs> double the distance, double the time. Yeah. Exactly right. Nothing. Yeah, yeah now, exactly we, right. And mind you, he went off the road at 225 well, kilometres yeah. an hour in the pouring rain. Yeah, yeah, so, okay, yeah. yeah. Now, we've been talking uh, a fair bit about va- vaccines uh, on this show over the past few weeks. Uh, look across other all sports, rugby league, um, all the football codes. David Reynolds, yep. he, he's been banned, right, from competing over the next couple of weeks weekends, and he's also there for in doubt for Bathurst. So what's going on there? Yeah, look, really disappointing. And Dave's a good friend of mine, a good friend of the driver's seat as well. And he came to Sydney with an exemption. Um, uh, Supercars realised that was for Sydney Motorsport Park 1, the first event two weeks ago. Um, they realised that the exemption was perhaps a little bit line ball in its validity. So they kept him away from media. They kept him away from everybody else. But then on the following Monday, he was investigated by New South Wales Health, by V8 Supercars as a, as a, as a company, as an entity, as a sporting body. And it was uh, proven that his exemption was perhaps not as valid as it might otherwise have been. And so he was essentially bounced out of the championship, told to go home and have his first vaccination. Now, of course, you've got to be double-vaxxed for these events, boys. So he's had his first, but he's got to have his second 
and I, 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 I don't quite understand the timing, but for mine, I, I believe you've got to have two weeks between your second vaccination to the time where you're actually really fully vaccinated. So mm. that puts him in huge doubt for the Bathurst 1000 and for Kelly Grove Racing. So I've got to tell you, it was a big test for the sport. It was a big stuff up. Mm. There's still some questions that need to be asked and answered about this because if supercars knew that the exemption was perhaps a little dodgy yes. before he raced in Sydney Motorsport Park 1, how did they let that happen? How did they let him race? Mm. So still some questions about that. Very disappointing for the team, disappointing for Dave Reynolds. You mentioned Bathurst and, you know, whether you're a rev head, a petrol head, a motorsport um, tragic or not, you know, every Aussie, um, you know, certainly sort of my, through my age age group, um, we all know about Bathurst and it's one event. You might not tune in each week or whenever during the V8 supercars, but you always tune into Bathurst. What are the storylines? What are the main storylines going into this one? And it's uh, scheduled to get underway on the 5th of December. Well, boys, there's a horse race every year where people love to say that mm. it's the race that stops a nation. But I would, that's for about, what, about three minutes or something sometime a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. I would argue that the biggest race in Australia that stops the nation is on Bathurst Sunday. Because as you rightly say, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you're doing, at some point you will stop your Sunday mm. to watch the race. So I think it's the biggest race in the country and is, of course, going to be our grand final. Um, the big one, the big probably the big storyline for this one are the co-drivers. The co-drivers this year have not had a championship, essentially, to be able to run, which is the, the Dunlop Super 2 Championship. It's been very limited. So we've got a number of co-drivers coming into Bathurst that do not have a lot of seat time. They don't have a lot of miles under their belt. So they're going to be showing up very green. Um, the event is being essentially... Um, uh, moulded with a, another event, which was called the Bathurst International. Both of those events can't, well, one of them couldn't happen. So what they've done is put them both together. So we will now have five or uh, six days of the Bathurst 1000. It's now going to start on the Tuesday and finish up on the Sunday. So all of the major categories from around the nation, supercars, cup cars, uh, Dunlop Super 2, TCR, S5000, Trans Am, are all going wow. to be racing at the Bathurst 1000 this year. So it, we describe it on the driver's seat as the Carnival Festivale of the Wheel. Wow. And it's going to be absolutely sensational. And for the first time in two years, we're going to have a crowd. Yeah, so well. I would implore all New South Welsh people to uh, get up there, bring your tents, um, really get around it because it's going to be absolutely massive. I can see a lot of crushed up VB cans and Tui's new cans out of that <laughs> out of that lot. Hey, five days. Only only one only one slab a day. You're only allowed to that, have one slab a day. Is that per it? person? Is that per person one slab a day? Oh my yeah. god! Can you imagine five days one slab a day? It'd, it'd kill me. <laughs> Huh? Mate, if I had a slab in a week, I would need a week off the following week to uh, deal with the hangover. Oh, but no, I can do that. They have now limited. <laughs> <laughs> they have limited one slab per person per day mm. at the mountain for the last send, couple of years. I might send my two <laughs> little boys up there. They do that uh, collect yeah. and, uh, what is it, collect and well, redeem and recycle. That would be the big collection. Oh, yeah. Go down. You'd, you'd walk out of there with about two grand or three Beautiful. grand if you picked yeah. up all the cans on, on Monday. It'd be sensational. Better than and that, our fans no are pretty stout, boys. There, mm. there is some rumours and, and innuendo that some of our other some of, some of of our fans go up to the mountain mm. and they actually bury 
their uh, extra slabs per person in the ground and take a GPS plot right. so that when they go up there and they go through the gates, they've only got one in there, but they know that they've got 20 buried up on the hill. Oh, so. I'm not. Now it's like my bloody, <laughs> like my Kelpie and his bones. I'm not condoning. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I'm not condoning excess, excessive drinking and we don't do that on this show, but you allow one slab of beer. Can you have like a, a little Jacks or, or some bourbon or something as well or, or not? I would imagine. I would imagine that you could have one slab and perhaps a uh, a oh. couple or a bottle there. But mm. I mean, I cannot imagine anything worse than going to a motor race absolutely oh, smashed out of your no, head. But no. for for the longest time, we know that Bath, that's the tradition of Bathurst, and yeah. father, sons, and families, and daughters, and the mothers have been doing it for a long time. So, Good luck. You know. Good luck. So you, day. Yeah, Unbelievable. You're back on Wednesday, right? Um, 8 p.m., isn't it? Eastern Daylight Time every Wednesday, in fact, across the network. Um, you fellas on the driver's seat, Stevie Johnson. Yep. What? what you, who else is with you? Uh, just me and Stevie J. Yep. Um, and uh, and our producer, the silent button pusher, Nimsy Azor. Yes. Um, Sri Lanka's, Sri Lanka's preeminent supercars <laughs> motorsport uh uh, expert. Yeah, so yeah. the three of us, we we just we just literally talk waffle and hoo ha for two hours yes. every Wednesday about motorsport, which is a lot of fun. No, I and, listen to uh, it because I I, fo- I follow you. You see, and I, I have you on on the way in here, and then uh, you build up the big audience for me. That's why my ratings have gone through the roof on a Wednesday. They tell me. Well, mate, there's no there's no I in team. We're exactly. all the team at SEN, so <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm glad we've been able to help you there. <laughs> all right, Matty. Hey, thanks for joining us, mate, and we'll tune in to the driver's seat on Wednesday. Thanks again. Good on you. Pleasure. Thanks for all those texts that have been coming through. I was talking about vaccination and the problems that the NRL players that are unvaxxed are really causing. Um, there's a good article on the Fox Sports website today, which you may have read, but basically it goes through all the clubs and each club, you can see what the status is, um, whether they are all vaxxed or not. And there were only two clubs that were, were willing to uh, reveal their cards, really. And they were the Warriors and Canberra Raiders. They weren't totally open about their vaccination status. But you can go through it there. I just think it's ludicrous. I think it's a- absolutely laughable. I think they're just making um, so many difficulties in not mandating the vax. And as I said before, you and I were double jabbed or at least I think 95% of us or 90% of us are. We took one for the team. When I say the team, I'm talking about the country, right? I don't, I'm anti, I don't like drugs at all, full stop. And I don't even like getting antibiotics. So I didn't really want the vax, but I was told to do it for the good of the team. Surely these players can do the same. Uh, this text here, evening, Chris, my two cents worth, mandate it, get the prima donnas vaxxed or move them on and be done with it. I'm sure these guys don't know what's in a sausage, but it doesn't stop them gorging on them around the barbecue. Cheers, bearskin rug. And um, hi, wah, Ben Hunt became the ant's pants this year, finally, after years of copping it too. Uh, my boss is a one-eyed St. George supporter. Thank you again. That's from Hillstorm Hillary. Keep those texts coming through. Time for another quick break. You are listening to Higher Ground. Welcome back to Higher Ground. Uh, Chris Warren with you uh, right through until midnight. Time to talk a bit of American football now. And this fella joins me, well, most weeks, uh, whether on Sports Central or on Higher Ground. His name is the quarterback. Good evening to you, quarterback. Good morning, Chris. How are you this Monday night? Mate, I'm good. I'm good. You've probably had a, a late night. I know you, 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 you stay up through the night to take in your, your, your NFL. So we previewed three games yesterday, didn't we? The Bengals and Browns. Uh, Chiefs v Packers and the Sunday night game, the Titans away to LA Rams for week nine. Before we get to that, uh, I hear it was a weekend of upsets. 
Well, it happens once a year at least, Chris, and week nine has been that week in 2021. It was bizarro world, really, with a lot of unfancy teams causing upsets across the whole league. The Jags have only won one game, beat the Bills. The Falcons beat the Saints. The Broncos beat the Cowboys at home and had them at, at nil up until the last quarter. The Giants beat the Raiders and to top it all off, on which we'll get to, the Titans, without Derrick Henry, defeated the LA Rams. And as they say, on any given Sunday, anything can happen. Yes. And it did happen this week. Great movie. Now, okay, the Bengals and Browns then. Uh, take us through that. What happened there? Well, I said the only way the Browns would win and cause the upset was if Nick Chubb led the way in rushing yards. Well, that's what Chubb did. He was on fire. He rushed for 137 yards and he, and he ran in for two touchdowns. He broke all sorts of records and was backed up by his banged-up um, quarterback in Baker Mayfield, who hit 14 of 21, two touchdowns and 218 yards. So the Bengals had no answer with their signal caller, Joe Burrow, throwing two interceptions, which never bodes well for getting into an offensive rhythm, and they were well beaten, 42 points to 16. Okay, and did Patrick Mahomes get back to the form that we're accustomed to from him? Well, he... Look, he, he was he was okay. Um Jordan Love, as we know, got his first start. Um and he was in there for, for Aaron Rodgers and he was he he was drafted only last year and so and the the Chiefs D have been found wanting so far this year, but Love, Jordan Love, the rookie, made them look pretty damn good, only being able to complete nineteen passes from thirty four attempts and a dreaded interception. He was only able to get the ball in the end zone in the fourth quarter, which they call garbage time. So at the debut, he'll be hoping he can put behind him. But as you're saying, Paddy Mahomes, we thought he might get back to the form that uh, we, we know the once Wonderkind uh, could get to. But you can't really call a stat line of 20 passes uh, hitting after only 30, of 37 attempts. That's nearly, that's just over 50%. 166 yards and one touchdown and negative two rush yards. Um, but he did enough. He was helped out by the best tight end of the game, Travis Kelsey, who was the uh, the Chiefs' best receiver again with five catches for 68 yards and a TD. Uh, look, low scoring but intense game. Uh, the Chiefs got the job done, 13 points to seven, and let's hope that gives Paddy Mahomes the confidence he needs to take the the season by the, the by the throat for the rest of the year. All right, well, that leaves us the Rams at home to the Titans, the usual, usually reliable Matt Stafford wasn't that reliable? No, no, mate. This was the, the big game, and by Jingo, this was an upset. I know. Look, by Tiger Jingo, by Jingo, by Crikey, yes, <laughs> yes. With Derek Henry, uh, he was out as we mentioned, and uh, all the experts had them going down, myself included. But it was the Titans' defence; they were able to sack the usually reliable Matt Stafford five times. Now let's put that in, into perspective. Mm. Stafford, through eight games this year, has only been sacked seven times. So that's, that's less than one a match. So he was sacked five times today. He had an off night all round. He threw two interceptions, one being a pick six, which means he threw it to a bloke. He ran it in for, an in, for, for a touchdown. And another total brain fade whilst he was on his own goal line, trying to prevent the safety of two points against. And he threw the ball just niggly-wiggly, and it went into the hands of someone else. They didn't get into the off, into the offense, sorry, into the defense. And uh, they nearly scored, but they didn't. But they scored on the Presuni on the preceding play. But I guess the key aspect, Chris, tonight for the Titans was that every player contribu- uh, contributed. There were no real big standouts in terms of rushing yards or TDs. Everyone did their job and definitely 
were not perturbed by going to face the Rams at home, which I said 32 points per game is a, is a tall ask. But even though the um, the Rams did outgain the Titans in total yards, it was the takeaways. And this, as NFL people will know, it's that if you can convert those takeaways into points, you're going to be very hard to beat. And so that's what they did today, and the Titans won, and they they beat them 28 points to 16. All right. Well, I appreciate you joining us, mate, with your uh, expert overview of all things American football. That is the quarterback. Um, I should point out he is uh, rugby league is his first love and he's a West Tigers tragic, uh, the quarterback. And I've asked you this before, mate. So and I've been asking my listeners tonight, um, re Luke Brooks and, and West Tigers. The club keeps saying it's not happening. He's not going anywhere. Luke has said the same sort of thing, but. You know, where there's smoke, there's generally a bit of fire and um, it keeps being linked with Newcastle. What what do you think will happen? Do you think he might head up there? I hope so. He, I heard that Joey said that he was going to be able to turn uh, Brooks into something uh, of a football player. Well, mate, he must be a magician because if anyone can turn that bloke into a football player, then it, it's got to be the one and only Andrew Johns. I really hope he does go. I wouldn't mind doing a swap with Piercy, but I hear he's off to the south of France. In Biarritz, which is a beautiful place to be, oh, but um, lovely part of the world, the Catalan Dragons and stuff. But uh, yeah, look, I want him to go. I think he will go. I think um, you know he was booed off a couple of times by the by the, the Tigers faithful, me being one of them. And look, I think it's his time's come. He's done nothing over the last eight years. He won what a Dalian half back of the year one year, but um, mm. let's see what happens. My fingers are crossed that he uh, he gets the boot. Yeah, well, there you go. So, and see, this is a guy that I'm talking to my listeners now. This is a guy that loves West Tigers. And, and I, I've got a few mates that are West Tigers fans, and I think they're probably you know, feeling the same sort of thing. But I don't, I, it's, it's probably, is it unfair to say your opinion there is representative of, of quite a, a few of the, the West Tigers supporters? I'm involved in a few uh, West Tigers chats, and yeah. all of us are not keen on, on Luke Brooks. Uh, it's always, and if you look at the social media after every game, we, you know, you go onto social media and you look at the the comments and a lot, and and 97% of them would be would be calling for Brooksy's head. Uh, he offers nothing in the way of creative attack. Your halfback's got to get you around the field. He doesn't do that. He his kicking game is always he's got a lead foot. He puts it out over the sideline, uh, and it's his uh, the people that are around him that usually save his butt. So. Uh, I, I I have to say that uh, it, it would be a wish come true if he if he left the club. All right, well there you go. Them's uh, harsh words from the quarterback um, seeking a better, if you like, quarterback at Concord, and that may well happen. We'll have to watch this space, and it all hinges on what happens with uh, Newcastle and Mitchell Pierce. But au revoir to Mitchell Pierce. Um, that's got to be made official, and and then you never never know. Um, they'll only sever. Mitchell Pierce's contract, if you like, if they can find a replacement. And Brooks might just be the man. Quarterback, thanks again for your time, mate. We'll, we'll talk again soon. That's a pleasure, Chris. Have a good night. Well, that just about does it for me. Again, thanks to all of you who have been involved uh, sending through those messages uh, via text and also to um, our guests as well. Uh, we had the quarterback, Mac McKeldon from the driver's seat, Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports. And uh, with all those guys, it's made it uh, a really enjoyable show. Hope you've enjoyed things. I'll be back on deck for more of Higher Ground on Wednesday. Take care. Keep smiling.